0: has always been there it's just learning uh, some of the intricacies of our offense and the past pro and things of that nature but he's taking huge strides i've been really proud of what he did last year and then it's carried over into this offseason he's had one of the best off seasons that we've seen out there and i expect him to have a great preseason and we'll see where it goes takes the snap and hands off benjamin straight ahead big hole 40 45 50 far side of the 40 35 30 benjamin
1: 25 inside the 20 and finally knocked out of bounds
2: Tyron Matthews saved the touchdown. That's a 43-yard run. The longest play from scrimmage for the Cardinals this season. Yeah, that was Cliff Kingsbury to start back in June, talking about the progress made by Eno Benjamin. Uh, That was Dave Pash from the New Orleans Thursday night game with what is still the longest play from scrimmage for the Cardinals this year. Uh, And why are we playing that now? Because Eno Benjamin, no longer a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Surprise move yesterday again after the uh, Cardinals... Uh, wrapped up their media availability. As soon as that happened, the release came out that Eno Benjamin had been released, and that left people wondering why? What is the reason behind this for a guy who was so instrumental, especially when James Conner went down and they were short handed at the running back position? Why would you do this? Uh, Kyle Odegaard, who used to work for the Cardinals, uh, now works for Compare.Bet, uh, he wrote, It's a playing time disagreement. That uh, he wrote, the decision was made because of Benjamin's vocal displeasure with a diminishing role in the offense, multiple sources told Mm Compare.Bet. That doesn't exactly clear the whole thing up either. No. No, it doesn't. Because shouldn't a player who's been pretty instrumental in your offense want to play more?
3: (laughs) And Why should not you want your player to want to play more? Yes.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, OK, so so if, Eno Benjamin got sideways over a lack of action or a lack of carries or it, it, you kind of see this. There's been these weird commitments. It's like A.J. Green disappeared and then he was back. And then it, it, Greg Dorch, it, Greg Dorch. there's been a lot of the, exactly there's been these situations where it, it, where players have had to go, hey, remember me? what what are you doing here AJ Green, very recently, I I forget what the quote was, but it was something to the effect of, yeah, we had to have a talk. We had to get back on the same page about how I'm being used. And it just seems to be a week to week thing where there's not a lot of communication going on and players don't really understand what is happening around them. And that, and this is, this is a recurring thing. And this is, that's on the general manager. That's on the general manager. No matter how busy you are, you've got to, you've, you've got to keep a team to get functioning. Through those moments. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury was asked yesterday during
2: his press availability why, you know Benjamin played one offensive snap
3: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, in, in the game against the Rams. Why was that? We talked about James. Getting the full share, if you will. I mean, he'd been banged up, had the ribs, and it was basically one of those deals where he, it was time to give him the starting running back reps. And I thought he played at a high level and got better as the game went on, allowed him to get in a rhythm and, you know, did what we needed him to do. So, And then moments later, the news came out that Eno Benjamin was yeah. released. So are we, are
2: we back to now with the James Conner is healthy? Cliff Kingsbury just riding one running back after having success with a stable of running Mm backs. A relative success. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Uh, Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports tweeted out, Eno Benjamin has averaged 3.39 yards after contact per rush. Just behind Aaron Jones. He's forced 16 missed tackles forced on 69 attempts. That rate of uh, 23.1 missed tackles forced is better than Brees Hall's before his injury. Right.
4: Okay, so yeah, no. so again I, 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 we're not arguing how weird it is that he has been cut we're trying to get to the bottom of why and, and so I think it, yeah, there were a lot of people positing yesterday that if you go back to that Vikings game, you know Benjamin had a very, very uh, devastating crack illegal crackback block at a pivotal stage in that game that seemed to really tick off Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff even pointed out that particular penalty after the game, did. But, but that doesn't seem to me to be something, somebody as reasonable as Cliff Kingsbury, somebody who's made as many mistakes as Cliff Kingsbury has made, would you really, t- would you really sit down, Eno Benjamin, based on one mental error? Uh, granted, it came at a terrible time. It did, but, but after a, after a, an entire off season of gushing over the guy, but one of the one of the constants negatively for the Cardinals this year has been
2: the preponderance of mental errors and brain farts. Yeah, and that was a big one. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, did this get to the point where it got personal, must ugly, have.
4: must have. Uh,
2: borderline violent? If that's maybe. the case, then, then maybe we, we've got something here. We yeah. don't know those. L- Everything we've heard now in all of his time with the Cardinals and all of his time at Arizona State is how great of a teammate Eno Benjamin was. Mm-hmm. And I'll never fault a guy for wanting to play more.
4: Right, and and your role shouldn't disappear. I mean, yeah, okay, James Conner is healthy and yeah, you want to you want to flex that, but that doesn't mean, you know, Benjamin doesn't shouldn't be part of the game plan and to let this happen and then lose this asset going forward that you might need is is a failure. And we've seen a lot of these interpersonal things blow up on this football team. And, and may, maybe it's this way all, in in a lot of places, but from the Patrick Peterson thing to this this is this is a lot of red flags that are attached to this. If you ask me, I, I'm curious to see what HBO is going to do with this because I'll be honest with you right now, HBO has been more like soft knocks than hard knocks. So far, we we didn't we didn't see a thing about the Patrick Peterson. That was a big story coming out of that Minnesota game. Uh-huh. They blew that off. So we'll find out exactly how far they're willing to go with this and how they're willing to address the, you know, Benjamin thing or if this is all going to be just sterilized, polished football documentary kind of stuff. And then just from a numbers
2: standpoint on their active roster right now, Bick, they've got two running backs. It's not
4: they kept five running backs famously out of training camp. Mm -hmm. They're down to two that are on the roster and available. Yeah. So Jalen Strong on social media last night tweeted out that he had talked to Eno and he found out what had happened and, and and what had happened is not going to keep Eno from being picked up elsewhere but it's enough for the Cardinals to do what they did so that tells me things got real sideways may, like you said it may be even physical which does happen in NFL locker rooms at times um, but my point is it doesn't didn't need to get to that point and if, if, if you've got a guy that you're sitting on because of a mental error in a game you lost well man that should be a pretty long line, if you ask me. There's a lot of guys who've been making a lot of mental
0: errors. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, it,
4: and, and if you're, you're going to make a guy get that sideways by not communicating to him what how his role is changing, I don't know whose fault that is. Who, who's in charge of that kind of stuff? Should the head coach be talking that kind of stuff through the running back? Should the running back's coach be talking? You should not get to a point where you lose an asset like Eno Benjamin in week 10 of an NFL season.
2: No, especially when you leaned on him when everybody else was hurt and he yeah. Yeah. And he delivered to to a large degree for you. Yeah, but you're right. Eno Benjamin, AJ Green, Robbie Anderson, Trey McBride to a degree. Mm-hmm. Their roles. Andy are t- Isabella. Andy Isabella. Greg Dortch. Greg, Greg Dortch. As Jarrett brought up, there's, there's a, a lot long of guys, of guys who, just, who don't know what what their role is. Yeah,
4: and and feel very angry that it's that that the commitment from the Cardinals' offense keeps shifting yep. from week to week.
2: Have you subscribed to the Bickley Murata Podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley Murata Podcast, and it's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, 10 weeks down, 8 to go in the NFL. What does the NFC look like, and where is the Arizona Cardinals place in it at this point? We'll get into all of it next It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the ak Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Snap to Hurts.
1: Washington bridge three. He steps up, throws underneath. Caught by Watkins, thrown to Smith. He's trying to throw it backwards. He's hit by Cam Curl that is
2: picked up by Casey Truehill in the end zone. It's a defensive touchdown to end the game. An exclamation point to end an undefeated season of the Eagles. Yeah, that was uh, the way it ended last night in Philadelphia. The way it ended, the quest for an undefeated season for the Eagles ends at eight and zero. They're now eight and one as uh, the Washington Commanders score a thirty-two twenty-one win over the Eagles on Monday Night Football. And here we are, ten weeks in, Vic. With uh, I think a very intriguing landscape in the NFC the rest of the way. I don't. You got two teams at eight and one in Philly and Minnesota who. Again, I'm not ready to anoint Minnesota just yet, mm. but I have to give them credit. Listen, they keep winning football games.
4: Hey, and that game on Sunday, there's there are a lot of people who are going to resist on the idea that the Vikings should or shouldn't be number one in NFL power rankings after this weekend's game. And, and I get it. I get the Kirk Cousins element. It's like the Jimmy Garoppolo element with the 49ers. It, it's hard to see the Vikings continuing and closing out this deal. But they were down 27-10 to the Bills, and they found a way to get uh-huh. it done, and they were they did it in a very special manner. And Kirk Cousins, even on one play, he, he showed exactly what you need from a quarterback. It was a huge play. He lowered his shoulder into a defender. He didn't slide. He showed that kind of leadership. Everything is going the Vikings' way right now. There's still going to be a lot of people who do not believe in them, no, it's who ch- find them fraudulent.
2: And not only that, they overcame some real shoddy officiating against them? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, when Dalvin Cook dropped that ball near the goal line, Mm -hmm. I thought, wow,
4: they're done. Then the the Bills get the stop, and they... Don't even bat an eye. No, and it's and Justin Jefferson. If, oh. it, he probably he's probably the the wide receiver of the year in terms of because that these guys in the wide receiver position they're always shifting. I don't know anyone's better than him right now. No, he is just insane. He's the total package.
2: Oh, but yeah, I mean that catch that he made. Huh. Stephon Diggs had made a catch earlier in that game where you're like, wow, he is elite. And mm-hmm. then Justin Jefferson topped it and and maybe made one of the top two or three catches in the history of the National Football League.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Now, to be fair, though, it took the most unlikeliest of fumbles on the goal line in the that, end zone. By the way, we didn't, them to that even that
4: play was unbelievable in and of itself. Did
2: you? I, I, I tweeted about this. Did you see the way Josh Allen was receiving that snap? Yeah, he got a little yippy with it. He didn't. His, he his didn't left get, foot was way back. Like, he was, how was he going to get leverage there to push? Fu- it made no sense
4: to me at all. It was that's the peril. Uh, but again, you got to you credit the Vikings in that situation for bringing that kind of fire. Because yeah. at that point in time, you're yeah. thinking this thing is over with. I, I look at this, and so so the Eagles and the Vikings are atop the NFC. I'm not sure anybody would would bet on either. As favorites to get out of the NFC. Yeah. Would you right now?
2: No. Knowing what you know, seeing what you've seen, nine games and they're both eight and one, would you pick them to represent? I
1: wouldn't either. Who has the third best record? The Giants. at seven and two.
4: Anybody picking them? And people are looking at the NFC East and saying, this is a historically good division. But
2: no teams that can win a Super right, Bowl. Right? <laughs> that's I, again, and
4: it's like uh, I'm not sure the command. You look at the Commanders and the way they play with this Taylor Heineke kid. He, he has got that swag. It it, it it probably even exceeds his talent. But I, I don't know if you've noticed what he's been doing. So so as a backup, he gets like 125 grand per victory. In his clause in his contract. Yeah. So whatever team, if he beats a team he's got a tradition, he goes and buys a pair of Air Jordans in the color of the team that he just beat. I did not know this. So after he beat the Packers, and you've you got to love this kid, he rolls into a press conference and he sits down and he leans in his chair and he pulls his, his shoe up onto the table for the media to see. And now he's wearing a shoe that's green and gold.
1: His problem, is he's got to stop beating green teams. He's well, already got a pair of green right. Jordans. So enough.
4: then he beat the Colts, and then he had to find a blue and white, and now he's beaten, you know, the Eagles last night. The kid has got some. He's got some. Man, I hope He's he, got some something.
2: I hope he never beats Cleveland. I'm oh, not think sure they've that. ever made a pair no, of brown and orange that. Air
4: Jordan. But just the personality he showed in Ron Rivera, that speech he gave his team after last yeah. night's game. I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is like the Suns from a year ago that, that found all this great internal chemistry while, while their owner was basically hmm. being eviscerated via investigation. Yeah. Unfortunately,
1: they're in last place in their division.
4: I'd, uh, they would be
1: in first place in the NFC South. Do you know
2: who's number two in overall point differential in the NFC? A team we haven't even mentioned yet. Who? The Dallas Cowboys. And it's only plus 47.
4: But, I mean, that's what how makes How do you this... lose that game in Green Bay if you're a, a, a legitimate con- contender?
2: Yeah. Did you see that stat of winning by 14 or more points
1: heading into the fourth yeah. quarter? They had not lost... Like ever, and that Isn't, would have slammed the door on Green Bay too. That it really was the would return
4: have. of Mike McCarthy. That was all that, and so so that's why people look at the Cowboys and go, Dak Prescott just doesn't have that extra little something in him. Um, and so so there's so people are wondering about them. The Eagles are no longer unbeaten. The the Giants. I don't know if anybody believes in the Giants, but, but we can tell they're a very well coached team. Another one with a quarterback that you don't believe. in. Isn't yeah. that funny? A lot of these guys. We,
1: we were talking about before the season how. All these great quarterbacks were in the AFC and moved to the AFC or, or young stars becoming yes. in the AFC. And it's playing out that way in the NFC that all the best teams don't really have quarterbacks you trust. This is as about
2: as wide open as it's been. And that's what makes the, the Cardinals win over the Rams that much more important. Because mm-hmm. at, at four and six, you know, when you look at the Cardinals in a vacuum, you're like, eh, they're not that good. Even when they win, they're not that great. They've been, you know, hampered by mental errors all season long. They've been sloppy in their operation, but you can't look at them in a vacuum because they're part of a 16-team
4: conference, and that 16-team conference is totally underwhelming. And they've played the two best it's, teams. It's it really comes down to the quarterbacks, and and who do you trust to win playoff games? Do you trust Geno Smith? Do you trust Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you trust Jalen Hurts? Do, do you trust Kirk Cousins? Do you trust Dak Prescott? Daniel it's, Jones? Daniel no. Jones? All the so there, there is there, your point on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers is right on the money. That is exactly my takeaway this week. Yeah. When I was oh man, that football team that is going to be the team yeah. that is going to be best suited to run this conference. And
2: to Jarrett's point, the Cardinals are sitting here at four and six and third place in their division. They've played the two eight and 8-1 teams and had a chance to beat both of them. <laughs> yeah. really like one play away a from beating yeah, either. A couple of yeah. plays yeah. either way, right. and you're, you're talking about two wins over those teams for the Cardinals.
4: Yeah, this, well, that's part of the frustration, is they've got the pieces. They're so close to being good. Three cheers for parody! Whee! <laughs> Every it's, team listen, in the I'm NFC not, has not, at least three wins. I, at, listen, the heat that came off the NFL games this past weekend—I'm not complaining about anything. No, I'm not that's true. Parity—it was—it was, it, it was a good weekend. Oh yeah,
2: it was a good weekend. Coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
4: We. <laughs>
2: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader Rush Hour Reboot. Rush
1: Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams.
3: Good morning to you. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bigley and Murata Mornings. A very happy Tuesday. A very happy mustache, not a mustache day. To all who celebrate. That's right. I certainly am one of them. Go study. <laughs> That's right. Go <laughs> study those mustaches. Uh, we take you through the top stories of the day at this time every single day. I am Sarah Kazell doing so with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. It's Murata! Getting ready for the World Cup, baby. Ooh, an oldie but a goodie. We love it. And Jarrett Carlin. The Sex Panther. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Thank you so much. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why were we doing that? Why were we doing cologne voices yesterday? I don't remember.
2: Who knows? Who knows? You guys remember yesterday's show? I
3: don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Truly no. All right, let's get into the top stories of the day. We will be looking back at some of the things that happened yesterday, starting with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we'll call it interesting news. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted at 1.54 p.m. yesterday that the Cardinals were releasing Eno Benjamin. The running back has taken pretty uh, pretty significant strides this season and finally seemed to have solidified himself as a contributor on the offense and on special teams. So that went out at 154 p.m. Literally minutes prior, Cliff Kingsbury ended his interview with Wolf and Luke. He had their uh, weekly conversation here on Arizona Sports, and the guys asked why Eno saw so few snaps on offense Sunday against the Rams. So this is before Schefter's tweet went out.
0: We talked about James getting the full share if you will i mean he'd been banged up had the ribs and it was basically one of those deals where he it was time to give him the starting running back reps and i thought he played at a high level and got better as the game went on allowed him to get in a rhythm and you know did what we needed him to do all right so
3: kyle odegaard who used to cover the cardinals for Cardinals.com and now writes for a gambling site uh, he reported that the cut was made because of Eno's vocal displeasure with a diminishing role in the offense. Uh, and then Jalen Strong, a former Sun Devil as well, tweeted a few hours later, I found out why Eno was released. Let's just say it won't keep him from being picked up with respect to all parties involved. That's all I'll speak on. Dan Vince, do you guys trust James Conner to be the primary back through the rest of the season, both skill-wise and health-wise? Uh, for me,
2: skill wise, yes, I, I, I'm more of a fan of yeah. getting fresh legs in there. And they went with James Conner for 21 carries, and and he was effective, not explosive. Health wise, I mean, I don't. The Cardinals have had nobody healthy all year, so right. why would we trust that? I, I, it's, yeah, yeah. I,
4: I think that I I do trust it, but it just it's such a fail because it could be so so easily avoided. If this became a, a personal confrontation or something that they had, had to send him to the street uh, because of you know whatever whatever you might want to term it. Um you look at this and you just wonder what is going on with the lack of communication this. We're going to get back into this. Who is supposed to talk to a football player to explain his role on a team that does not have an offensive coordinator and as Vinny just realized a segment ago doesn't even have a running backs coach. So we got a note from a um, from right. a listener from Seabocker who said, yeah, they don't have a running backs coach. That's right. So, James Saxon yeah, suspended. Right. And so it's like uh, clearly there are some communication issues with this football team. Yeah,
3: no kidding. It's, it would be easy to- to get frustrated in that situation. And Eno Benjamin uh,
2: reportedly communicated and that was a bad thing.
3: Yes. So what do you guys think, and this is purely speculation, I want to make that clear, but what do you guys think would it hit the threshold of being bad enough that he would get cut? Like,
4: would it have to turn physical? I don't know. Uh, Insubordination to a level that was beyond the pale. I mean, you know, blowing up a head coach, getting personal with your response. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. yeah, personal things. Yeah, it, it, it could look any number of different ways. In my yeah. opinion, it just—it's a shame because, yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't need a guy like you know Benjamin, Eno Benjamin, if you've got seven games left in the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, whatever went down, let's hope that the uh, HBO cameras were rolling. Yes, please. Yeah. We
3: look forward to finding out Wednesday night at eight uh, o'clock. The team did not address this yesterday, but we did see reports from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that Zach Ertz is done for the season with a knee injury, a big piece of the Cardinals offense. How big of a loss is this for the team?
2: Huge. He's been their leading receiver this year. Uh, I think his role, his presence, has acted as a security blanket uh, for for. And I don't mean that as a negative way for Kyler Murray. Every every good quarterback needs a good tight end. Yeah, Zach Ertz has been very good this year. Again, um, he's one of the leaders of that team. He's a veteran. When things get tough, you lean on those veterans. It's it's a huge loss for them. And when yeah. you have now really nothing in terms of a proven commodity at the tight end position from a pass catching standpoint, this puts more pressure on Trey McBride His Mac. William's back from the practice squad. I mean, Steven Anderson got some run last week and had yeah. a big drop in a crucial situation. So it's not exactly a strength.
4: Yeah, and, and Zach Ertz is one of these guys that that he's he's been one of their, their true ambassadors when things have been going well because he's he's so grateful to be here. His mm-hmm. wife wants to be in Arizona yeah. very badly. This is where he wants to be. So he brings that kind of vibe at all times. You yeah. know what I mean?
3: Yeah, and he's respected league-wide, so he brings yes. some credibility. Yes, without Certainly. a doubt. All right, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. They lost to the Miami Heat on the road last night, 113-112, 25 points for Devin Booker, 21 points for Dwayne Washington Jr. I don't remember who it was, but someone on the show yesterday specifically called out Dwayne Washington Jr. and said, we're going to need this guy to step up. So there he goes, 21 points. He shot 8 of uh, 14 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3. It's the new do, by the way. He got his hair cut. Ooh, he cut all of his hair ooh, off. Now that he's a, now that he's a dad, free flowing Yeah. <laughs> so the Suns. Here's here's the downside. In addition to the loss, they only got to the free throw line four whole times in the game, uh, and made two of those attempts. By the way, those are uh, the second fewest makes and second-fewest attempts in NBA history, according to StatHead. Devin Booker, after the game, spoke with Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central about the lack of free-throw attempts afforded to the Suns and basically said it boils down to a lack of respect. Do you think that's the issue? Is there a different issue that's not affording these uh, opportunities at the line for the Suns? I don't know.
4: Um, Lack of respect? I... Maybe, maybe for all the foul hunting the Suns did last year, to the point of where it got kind of obnoxious. But, but they're I, I, not the only team that's doing that. No, no, yeah. no. But but again, they're not the only team victimized by bad officiating. Yeah. You saw the technical Jason Tatum got last night; it was a joke. So I, I, again, it, it's you got to fight through this stuff. The Suns had yes. a thirteen-point lead with eight minutes left. Yes, they did. Okay, and so if you want to focus on the officiating, be my guest. I, I I'm
2: not going that far to say it's a, a lack of respect. That would be that would be really disturbing. If during the course of a game, oh. the three officials on the floor got together and said, "You know what? We don't respect the Suns. Let's not Let's blow the whistle for them. those guys." Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, sons Bick, brought up, Bick brought up. brought <laughs> up. Right. Bick brought up something earlier, is that when you have a differential and, and the foul differential was eleven to one, uh, they were nine to one, and the free throw differential was eleven to one in the first half. Normally, you'll see an overcorrection the other way. That did not occur, yeah, and that might be the most disturbing point of all of it, because that was a physical, tight, emotional game yeah. for this point in the season, and it yeah. just didn't turn no, out. It,
4: but, but I will say the Suns should do their due diligence and file a report with the NBA just to, just to make them aware of this kind of stuff, Yeah, yeah. because hey. those numbers are jarring. Yes.
3: We saw this. We want you to see this, too. Uh, let's quickly get to ASU football. Sean Aguano, the interim head coach, held his weekly press availability yesterday, and a reporter asked him... What qualities the next ASU football hire should possess? He said... That head coach should be someone who has passion for ASU football, someone who has ties to the program somehow, not somebody from the outside, and someone who understands what type of athletes should be recruited to ASU.
1: Someone who has multiple U's in their name. (laughs) (laughs) Someone whose name rhymes with Ron to Iguano.
3: Exactly. So ASU put out a statement uh, not too long after that and said they've got a search firm in place. They trust the search firm's expertise, but they also said Iguano will be in Consideration and will be given the full opportunity to go through the interview process.
4: At the very least, that sounds like, at the very least, Ray Anderson's power has been severely diminished. Because if you're hiring a search firm, yeah. different that's a different that's a different level of trust. Absolutely. But search
3: does not mean hire. No. Ooh, that is true. Yeah. That is that is true. Okay, so Iguano laid out what he wants to see in the next head coach himself. What do you guys want to see? What qualities are important in ASU football's next hire? Six four or taller. <laughs> Little scruff, maybe a cleft. Ch- nah,
4: long walks on the beach. Somebody some- with somebody with great energy and somebody who wants to be be here. Yes. I mean, they've got to they've got to have a, a certain requisite of coaching chops. But but somebody who just emotionally really vibes with this place and wants to be here. I'll even simplify it. I mean, those things are important, but just somebody who can build this program. Mm-hmm. And, and
2: ASU fans have this irrational fear. Not all of them, some of them. I hear it all the time. You got to get somebody who wants to be here and is not going to leave us for a better job when they get the opportunity. Mm. In the Pac 10, Pac 12 era, which started in the late 70s, ASU's had exactly one coach leave this program to go
1: somewhere else about for it? greener pastures. About and that was it?
2: John Cooper. Wow. And it
1: was almost 40 years ago. Wow. We need to get over that. John Cooper Mellencamp?
4: Yes. That's well, crazy. no. Vinny's saying is, yeah, get a coach that good. Yes, that they can be hired right. away. That they're exactly. worth a damn. Yeah, that would be a good problem. Yes, to have. yes. Shut up, Jarrett. Shut up, Jarrett. <laughs> Shave that beard, ferret. No, it's a good beard. No, nove- shave those toes, ferrets. It's, yeah, so. shave those toes, ferrets. <laughs> it's
1: November. You can't shave your toes. In <laughs> they call me Toebeard.
4: beard
2: Thank you, Sarah.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Sarah.
2: Consider yourself rebooted. Uh, big stories of the day every morning at 730. Coming up next, there could be a very crucial quarterback decision to be made by Cliff Kingsbury. They're not there yet, but we'll get into all the details on Kyler and Colt straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports. Sports leader.
4: Pickley and Morada. Dan Pickley and Vince Morada. Pickley and Morada morning. Arizona sports. The local sports leader.
0: I think with Colt, I mean the games that he's played for us. I think the biggest deal is just, like I said, the pre-snap recognition, getting it out to those playmakers on time, accurate within catch and run, and, and uh, he's just had a had a good feel for the offense since he's been here. Um, a lot of the concepts, you know, that he likes, he'll communicate with us during the week, and he'll have thoughts, and uh, so it's it's been good getting on the same page. But I think just the situation, he hadn't been in many situations with this type of talented receiving core around him, and I think that's really showing. Up, um, that when he has weapons like we have, he can be really efficient and get to those guys and play at a high level. Cliff
2: Kingsbury yesterday, the head coach of the Cardinals, asked, uh, did you learn anything new about the offense with Colt McCoy in as opposed to Kyler Murray? Uh, Colt McCoy, quarterback, the Cardinals, to a 27-17 win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. He's now 3-1, pressed into duty as a starter over two seasons. I'll start this conversation here. Mm-hmm. Earlier this season, Bick, um, in just diagnosing, taking a look at what this offense is made of, what do we know about this offense right now from a passing standpoint? There are challenges offensive line-wise, personnel. We, we know that. They've, mm-hmm. they've not been healthy. Uh, there's not been consistency in the wide receiver core in terms of availability. Hollywood Brown's out. Hopkins wasn't around. A.J. Green, who knows what he's doing. Rondell Moore wasn't available for a time. There's that. But the hallmark... Of this offense from a passing standpoint is that it's very dink and dunk. It's very, very much so. Very vanilla, very horizontal. Got a Again, little better? And we had the conversation weeks ago. It was like. Do you need a quarterback like Kyler Murray to run this offense as it's currently constructed? And we both came to the, and not a knock on no. Kyler, but the answer is no. And
4: Colt McCoy just proved it yes. with that game. But the question becomes, and I do think this is a very legitimate question, and I do think that, and, and Bernsey brought this up, that he saw some plays where Colt McCoy looked off the screen pass because mm-hmm. he knew it was ill-fated and went somewhere else with it. Paul Calvisi came up with a stat that there was a handful of plays, maybe two handfuls of plays, that went at least... Ten yards in the air, not not ten yards yards from the line of scrimmage, but ten yards in the air, which is a little better than throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So there was a little improvement in that yeah. that they didn't run as many ill fated plays that you look at and go, "What the heck? Did you call that? What are you doing?" There was less of that because there were less passes behind the line of scrimmage. So you wonder, okay, are there are there plays now? Is that? Also on Kyler Murray that if you look and and it's uh, one of these goofy screens behind the line of scrimmage, if you look at it and it's obvious it's not there, you go somewhere else rather than just throw the ball. And I don't know how much of that is happening. So, so I really do think the big question is this. What, what, what could you get as a football organization from running it back with Colt McCoy against the 49ers if he is indeed healthy enough to, to feel good about starting that game? Well, two things. Number one, you could take what happened last week and see if you could grow it and see if it would be good enough to beat the 49ers. And again, Similarly, making Kyler Murray sit for a week watching this, watching a guy run his offense better than he does might be might be exactly the tough love he needs mm-hmm. now if you 've got faith that Kyler Murray can come back into the starting lineup against San Francisco and be better than he 's been recently, then all bets are off because Kyler Murray is clearly. Ten times the athlete that Colt McCoy is. We all know that, And we all know that the future has to be Kyler Murray. And they've got to get this thing fixed. And they've got to get him elevated because they've committed huge money to him. All right. But that doesn't necessarily change the way you look at this particular game. and And I think that health is probably going to determine this if – Colt McCoy is marginalized, then there's really no discussion to be had and and then it becomes incumbent on Kyler Murray to 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 play regardless of how that hamstring feels. Yeah. Uh, and you would think he'd be fine. He but played to, the second half against Seattle and he had a week off. And it's a long week too with an
2: extra day. Yes, there's some more travel and, and, and different things that the Cardinals will deal with this week and go into Mexico, but let's just say all right, Cliff Kingsbury is presented with a choice. He's got two available quarterbacks. What does he do? And we talked about some of these possibilities yesterday. If the tendency is to go to Colt McCoy, what happens if Colt McCoy finds a way to win against San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Have you painted yourself into a corner? But why, why, what would, happens why if, would you not want to be in that corner? I know. that That's a good problem to have, yeah. correct? Yeah. What if, and I brought this possibility up yesterday. The choice goes back to Kyler Murray. San Francisco wins that game. I mean, the reaction there is not going to be great either. No. It's a a very, very tenuous spot that the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury find themselves in. Then there's
4: also the realistic view that that game that Colt McCoy just put on the field, that game was good enough to beat the Rams. Mm -hmm. Can that game win consistently in the NFL. I don't know about that. If you've got a def- defense now that is honing in on a Colt McCoy offense, y- y- you're coming at it a little bit differently. Plus, and, and I think the Rams were very vulnerable and they're very they they're just they're they're just tapped out.
2: They're waiting to explode yeah.
4: right now. They're just ta- they're but tapping out is what they're
2: doing. San Francisco just from an offensive standpoint is a much bigger t- I mean the 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 ingredients that go into that game flow are going to be yeah. much different because they can run the ball. They've got dynamic offensive weapons that are healthy again, and, and Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk is still there. They've got Christian McCaffrey full bore, uh, Elijah Mitchell is back. They, they, they've got we- George
4: Kittle. They've got weapons they got to a work great with. great defense, and it's it, so. I I I don't have high expectations for the Cardinals, but again, the, their defense has been so competitive and, and so spirited that I think there's a chance to hang in this game. And if mm-hmm. you hang in the game, you've got a chance to win the game, and it's. It, to me, I, w- I would take a long look at it. Again, it's all going to be based on Colt McCoy's health. Hearing that his knee was banged up to the point where it's he's kind of uncomfortable now, yeah. I, that that kind of shades my view a little bit from where I was yesterday on this. But, but again, it's not like Kyler Murray was functioning at a real high level with this offense. So I kind of want to see if you can grow it with Colt McCoy. And I don't know if that's the best way to, to beat the 49ers, but it's something I'd be thinking about. To me, yeah. it's not as simple as just going, oh, no, no, Kyler's the guy. Hey, just give him, it, it goes back to him whenever he's ready. I, I don't know if it's that simplistic.
2: Cliff Kingsbury was also asked yesterday, hey, can Kyler Murray take anything? Uh, while watching Colt McCoy's performance on Sunday? Yeah,
0: I think any game you can. you know, Any game you watch, there's things you can look at that, hey, we'd like to do this better. I think we can do this um, you know, really well. So I think Kyle's a very cerebral player as well and can take um, different things from each game plan and, and see how we can improve it. But uh, to me, just Colt's ability to, to uh, continue to battle when things you know, didn't go bad, he got hurt, he stepped back in and just was the same guy You know, he didn't didn't get phased by any of it. That's kind of his biggest. quarterback trait that I've been impressed by. He doesn't get rattled and he just plays his game and sticks to his guns and trusts you know, um, what he can do out there.
2: Yeah, you would hope anytime Kyler Murray's not on the field and is watching some other quarterback play, he's taking something from it. I mean, yeah. that, that's what the elites
4: do. Yeah, and the idea that I've heard some people say, well, listen, if, if you make him sit and watch a week, you might lose him. <laughs> if you're worried about that, that's, that to me is part of been the issue here is that he has been far too entitled from day one and he has not received the kind of coaching or the accountability that you need to groom and grow a franchise quarterback. We're year four into this thing. That's a little bit troubling. Cowboy fans were saying the same thing about Dak Prescott. We're in year six with this guy. Yeah. When's it going to happen? Absolutely. That's a fair question at this point. Uh, it's time for Character Counts presented by Parker &
2: Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. 11-year NFL veteran Calvin Beecham set a record with his fifth NFL Players Association Community MVP award for Week 10 this season. Calvin donated $5,000 in order to host a food distribution event at Eisenhower School of Innovation in Mesa earlier this month. Handing out boxes of food and... Uh, uh, produced uh and, and produce to more than 200 underserved families. As part of winning the award, Beecham receives a $10,000 donation to a charity of his choice from the NFLPA. Moreover, he's eligible for the Allen Page Community Award, which is the highest community praise the Players Association can give a player. Well done, Kelvin Beecham again. Five of those awards, Man, that's, that's really well done. Character counts presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Looking for their next student athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship? Text character to 620 620 to nominate a student today you know what's around the corner as we start the second half of the show the bickley blast is next it's bickley and murata mornings live from the community studios here on arizona sports the local sports leader